Hello and welcome to Talking Tyranids with Chris and Mark. I'm Chris and with me as always is my co-host Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We were just discussing before we started recording that I am sort of uh, over my, my COVID. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Um, which is good. And uh, today we are... Um, uh, the main thrust of our episode today is we're going to be discussing... Uh, we've each had our first game with the new Tyranid Codex. Uh, they both went quite differently and against very different opponents. Um, and I'm really looking forward to sort of diving into uh, how they went and our takeaways from each. Um, before we start that, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like we've neglected the hobby side of our podcast a little bit because of the, the new rules and the excitement there. So I just wanted to take a te- second to ask you, Mark, what's, what's on your painting table at the moment? What's, what's being worked on? What projects have you got? <clears throat> well, uh, so I've actually this evening, coincidentally, I have a few hours to myself. So I've brought it out from the shed, um, and I've popped it on the dining room table, making sure I do not splatter on there because I will get told oh, off. God, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, a unit of Eldar guardians. Um, oh wow! And I also, underneath them, I have the. Uh, I can't, it's in the other room. It's the Gene Stealer HQ box set, which has the Brood Lord, the, pa- uh, the Patriarch, sorry. Oh, is um, that the Brood Coven? That <clears throat> That's the word, yes. Yeah. Um, so I have that as well um, t- to enjoy. Um, I've not had a chance to really do a lot. Things have been a bit hectic. And I, I, I thought I would get these done in a couple of weeks, and that was four weeks ago. Um, and I haven't <laughs> touched them since. So I've bit of Eldar, um, just to change the flavour up, um, and then back to some Gene Stealers, and after the most recent battles, I'm kind of like, oh, now I just want to buy more Tyranids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about yourself? So, um, I have a bit of a, um, the way people graze on snacks and food, I kind of graze on models, so I tend to have a lot on the go at once. Um... And I'll sort of, to keep myself from getting bored, I'll be like, highlight a bit of carapace here, and I'm going to paint a little bit on this, and I'm going to paint a little bit on that. So I've just finished, uh, and I sent you the pictures the other day, actually, uh, my walking hive tyrant. Yes, you um, did. Who I've been... So he's actually one of my oldest models. Um, He was bought for me uh, from maybe my 26th birthday, I think. Uh, by some by some friends of mine and he's already been fully painted once and fully stripped of that paint color scheme and is now repainted in high fleet leviathan and i'm very happy with how he came out um and i have for the first time i managed to get i don't know how familiar you are with the cover art but they have the um they have this like bluish thing around the veins on the leviathan hive tyrant's head if you look closely um mm-hmm. it's like a blue hue almost um and so i bought some light blue paint just to do that <laughs> so literally i've got an entire pot just to do this tiny little bit and i've I, I watered it down a lot and i managed to get that effect and i was really happy with it um but aside from that i've, I've bought some warriors uh, because every time i want to buy something i end up buying warriors um so i, I think this is my I think this puts me up to 26 or 27 that I've got. <laughs> um, 
so I've I've sort of painting them in sub assembly. So I've got little pots with Warrior One, Warrior Two, and Warrior Three written on them, um, and they are all in various states. One of them's pretty much fully done, but with no arms on yet. One of them is still fully deassembled, and I haven't uh, I haven't washed him yet. Um, and I've got a little I've got a little biovore as well on the go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one of those moments. I, uh, I don't know if you've had this before. So I um, I was painting the back of the biovore, which uh, according to the you know again the the sort of cover art I was following is like a kind of fleshy colored sack. Um, and I, I don't have a lot of luck painting with those colors for some reason. I tend to I struggle to build them up and everything else. So I started really dark this time. I started with like a Bugman's glow, so like a really dark brown. Well, not like a, but like a dark fleshy brown. Um, and I built it up to like uh, Cadian flesh tone and Kislev flesh with just these dry brushes. And then I put a wash on it and I did these tiny little highlights with flayed one flesh. And you know, when you just step back and go, that looks amazing (laughs) i've never painted anything that well and i literally like i can't take my eyes off it i'm so happy with how it's come out this made me really want to paint more biovores um for some reason i don't know why Mm -hmm. Uh, they're like our oldest models and i always dunk on them and say that i don't like them but yet here i am just in love with painting and i think it's partly because i'm painting metal because i don't do that very often anymore because most of our models are plastic and there is there is something quite satisfying the physicality of putting paint on metal. I can't describe it, um, but it's yeah. There's something about that. I think uh, I got the bug when I was doing my metal hive tyrant, and it kind of set me off. Um, well, good. Oh, I just wanted to check in on that then. Um, so we've had our we've had our first games. So, uh, Mark, I would like I would like you to go first um, and start us off on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your first game with the Tyranny Codex. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I played um, my friend Ian, who we'd previously had uh, had the ch- our, our YouTube channel before. Um, he is solely focusing on Tau and mm-hmm. has a large collection of Tau. Which means, annoyingly, every time I go to battle him, his army is different every time. So, mm. when I battled him a few weeks ago, he had a very vehicle-heavy list. With yeah. a Storm Surge and Riptide, um, a couple of Devilfish, uh, Sky Ray, and Hammerhead, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. This time round... Um, he brought a very different list so <clears throat> I said to him I'm going to bring what I feel is the strongest Hive Fleet Tendril which is Leviathan in my oh. opinion um, and there'll be some sneaky sneaky things in it um, do you want me to tell you before the battle and he said no I don't really know much about them just bring it as if it's brand new it's the best way for me to learn Fair. I was like okay uh, so I came along and then as I was setting up my models um, really enjoyed having all my monsters out again mm. um, and then and then telling him oh this Leviathan if you're a synapse creature you've, you've basically you've got, got like transhuman, transhuman so <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh there's a thing that if I have zone thropes I can for a turn everything can pretty much have a four up in Vuln. Um 
Yeah. So, Sorry, how, in, how do you how do you feel about that? And he was like, "Nope, it's fine. Come on." He's he's such a, an incredible sportsman. Um, he's also amazing at rolling fives and sixes, which is f- infuriating. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be a theme today. <laughs> <laughs> so, we we set up our armies, and I've got two thousand points um, of tyranids and. I have the list here. If you if you want me to delve deeper in, or if you just wanted a brief uh, a brief one at the moment, give us a, give us a flavour. Okay, 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 okay. So um, I I kept some of the things that I'd done before this codex had come out. I'm a massive fan of winged hive tyrants, for example. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so and gargles. So I had my winged hive tyrant, and I gave it the uh, warlord. Um, where is it on there? The warlord trait, which allows it to have a five up feel no pain, yeah, um, and one. kitted it out with a venom heavy venom cannon, and then swapped it for the shard gullet. Yeah. So then I could have a very durable uh, psychic creature going very fast, and I could affect things in every phase basically. Um, and he survived for quite a long time. Um. Gargoyles and Termagants to kind of gain objectives. I put the Gargoyles in reserve, which I enjoyed bringing them down and going, Kaka! Um, <laughs> and then the Mala Scepter I explained as well. And so I had Zone Ropes and Mala Only three Zone Ropes and a Mala Scepter. And I explained, like, the potential damage output. And I didn't quite roll seven pluses on his psychic power. So I didn't get to do those addi- additional mortal wounds. Um, but still, uh, he was pretty deadly. And the zone tropes were incredible. So, yeah, very strong. Um, loved my Screamer Killer Carnifexes. Oh, I loved how they performed. Um, I felt they were the best, my favourite unit on the board. Um I had a Morlock with an adaptive physiology, de- Dermic Symbiosis. Dermic Symbiosis, yeah. <clears throat> so we had Give... the f- four-up involved. Yeah. So I wanted him to come up, and I wanted him to be scared like he used to be scared of my Morlocks. Yeah. Come up, and then if he tries to get me with his heavy weapons, I've got a four-up involved. Now, his list <laughs> comprised of some Fireblades... Uh, a crisis team in reserve with melters. <clears throat> Four or five units of fire warriors. Um, okay. Two hammerheads. Uh, some pathfinders. Some piranhas as well. And some stealth teams. Can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you ever feel, especially if you're playing against an army that maybe isn't one of your armies or is not one that you take often if it is, right? And, and you've mustered your units and you've put them on the board and then your opponent is putting down their units or, or maybe they're running through their shooting phase. Do you ever look at it and think, how the hell can you bring so much? How does yeah. so much fit into your list? I, it, it staggers my imagination because I have a tendency in all my armies, well, both of my armies, I should say, um, <clears throat> if I'm playing Necrons, I bring big blobs of warriors because I'm basic. So I'm bringing 20 warriors and then 20 warriors. And then if I feel like it, 20 more warriors, which obviously a big investment in points as well as a big investment in space. Um, and with 
you know, with Tyranids, I tend to go heavy on big horde units. 25, 30 Hormagons, 20 Gargoyles, 20, 20, 30 Termagants. So I don't go for multiple small units. That's not really my thing. Mm. Um, for better or for worse, I'm not, I'm not sure if I, that's the right way to go. But sometimes I just feel like I, I, I have once, and it wasn't my most sporting moment, but kind of demanded that my opponent hand over his army list. So I was just like, after a, after a 45 minute shooting phase, I was like, you <laughs> must, you must be done. There cannot be anything left to shoot. Yeah, how are you fielding this much stuff? And I was sitting there and I was like, give me, give me it, give me it. Let me see. I'm going to check this against chapter approved. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. check Battlescribe is up to yeah. date. This cannot be right. Um, I don't know if you ever feel like that. I feel like that sometimes. And it's, it's not... Uh, I think it's a grass is always greener thing, to be honest. Yeah, and as you say that, I remember he also had three broadsides. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so... Well, there you go. There you yeah, go. no. It, it There was a lot, but then... And I did actually... I, I think I brought this point up, but then we both kind of realised, well, I've got more monsters and he's got more infantry so i was like okay this is quite interesting um <clears throat> there's a few tactical errors on his part during the game not massive but a few tactical errors um but there was also s some chances because he'd brought something different for me to see how devastating even like the infantry can be mm -hmm. so one example is a fire blade next to um a unit of fire warriors there's a stratagem which basically doubles their attacks for that shooting phase so rapid fire two becomes rapid fire four um <clears throat> so so he had 40 shots and your fire blade gives that a unit um <clears throat> reroll ones no it doesn't it gives it exploding sixes Oh my so, god. <clears throat> so he he rolled his dice and after shooting he then had 40 hits. Um <clears throat> he so he's hitting on freeze because of marker lights uh, and he had 40 hits because of the exploding and misses and stuff. Um strength 5 um against most of my monsters are still fives but there's still 40 shots and like I said he rolls slightly above average. So he this big example was against my Morlock, so he was firing these minus one weapons at my Morlock, so the invulnerable save actually was the same as his normal save. So he was doing the... Oh, um, and also there's Montcar... No, Montcar changed. But there was another thing which improved the AP of the weapon, in fact, to oh, yeah. AP2. So um, when you are wounding, it's AP2. So he and managed to do 14 wounds against my Morlock, and... I was basically rolling 50-50 chances and that was just one unit um, and then and a couple other units of Fire Warriors then, then took it down as well. And I was like, what have you done? <laughs> like, you're Fire how Warriors. How can this be? Like, yeah. how? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, the game. We played Tempest, of the, the new Tempest of War, is that what it's called? Um, yeah, the the old maelstrom, basically. Yes, and we are having so much fun with that. Um, we we deployed diagonally, um, which I was immediately like, oh, Tau. I, um, I cannot stand <clears throat> deploying diagonally. I'll, I'll get to that <laughs> when I tell my story. And then um, he 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 deployed quite aggressively, um, 
but he also got to go first, so it was all right for him. Um, he drew the cards, and the first card he draws is Big Game Hunter, and then the second card he draws is um, Assassinate. The, the third card he draw drew was um, it was either the one where it's kill things in the shooting phase or kill X amount of wounds, and you get the points. So he advanced some of his army up because it was in Montcar and you can advance and be counted as stationary. So he got a lot of board control and then... Which is not what you expect from Tower generally. No, but he no. had so many models. Um, <laughs> and then he started with the shooting and... Oh no, it was the card, sorry, where I have to declare what has the most wounds in my army and if he kills that... Is fine. So I had a Tyrannifex. Now, I hadn't given the Tyrannifex the special thing where you can make it synapse, so the Leviathan thing didn't really help so much. Yeah. Um, so he obviously aimed his hammerhead right at it. So I'm flicking through all the stratagems, and there's one in there where you can make one of your monsters basically have transhuman. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a one-shot. And I was like... Oh, I'm going to do this. And he fired the first one, and it had a Seeker missile, its big gun, and stuff like that. And I'd, um, and he'd done damage. Um, and then the second one, it literally was about to kill him, and it came down to... He rolled... He rolled a two to hit. He re-rolled it, and rolled with four. Then he, I think he strength 14, something stupid like that. Yeah. But still needed three, because I'm tough to say. But because I then whacked that stratagem on, it was then fours. So 50-50, he'd done his re-roll. He rolled a three. <sighs> so I, the skin of my teeth, luckily, was fine. If he had hit me, my terrain effects would have gone. Yeah. And that would have given him quite a few points in turn one. And uh, I'd kitted the Tyrannifex effects with the the 30-shot the one because my plan was to open up a Devilfish and then just shoot it. Um, what I didn't realise was the range of the weapon was only 24 inches. And uh, he he was outside of that range for quite a lot. So my Tyrannifex actually didn't really do a lot. Which was quite disappointing to now, me. Am I wrong in thinking? And I might be. In fact, I will. I will check this as I say. It. Um, isn't there a way of increasing the range with the scorch bugs? I, I know it increases the AP, but does it not also impact the range? Possibly. I'm gonna. I'm gonna check this because it's always good when you're having these debriefs. I feel mm -hmm. to have that. To have that quick think of what you know. What what could I have done better? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, and then yeah, you can add six inch to the range characteristic, so you could have gone up to thirty. Okay, I I will remember that one. F FYI, um, <laughs> FYI, uh, I do need to get the stratagem cards and stuff. That might actually help. Yeah, yeah, I got it in front of me. Um, so yeah, so um, uh, he he managed to get a um a couple of things but not a lot. I then whacked on my zone tropes in vulnerable save. Um, I was like, I don't want to die. Um, and then that helped a lot in the next, in that consecutive turn. Um, and then 
I managed to get cards which were, were just giving me that edge. It was always yeah. like one of us went ahead by five points. The next, whoever's turn it was next, ahead by five points. But in real game time, like, he he killed my Tyrannifex, half-killed my Exocrine. Uh, um, he had whittled down some of my warriors um, another one of my monsters I can't remember which one died and then my hive tyrant died and mm-hmm. I was like okay so I've now got a mana scepter and zone throw trying to get up the board but you are well over their psychic range and even if I go ping pong ping um, it's not going to, to make it to you so that's nullified them because uh, I've just done some poor deploy- uh, positioning during this game um, and then my screamer killers ran into his piranhas uh-huh. killed them and then <laughs> they got shot at by a unit of fire warriors with a fire blade a stealth team and then another unit of fire warriors and a he, he had one or two broadsides left um, he got two marker lights on them. He chose to use them on the fire warriors with the thing that killed the Morlocks. And then he did it on the, the broadsides. And I explained to him that because they're can't effects is they reduce damage. They have a two up armor save. Um, please don't hurt them. And <laughs> he, he killed one and a half. And that was it. I was very lucky again. But in doing that, I then whittled down his stealth team and his fire warriors with the shooting and then charged them both and killed them both. And it was at that moment where it was like, oh, yeah, you're not coming back from this. Um, <laughs> and then we looked at the points and I was 20 points ahead. And we were like, even if you drew the best cards, like, it ain't coming back. Nah. Um, so I, it was a combination of if I got to him, which is Tau in a nutshell, yeah, he's gone. But there was a couple of things he he was trying out. Like he he put some par, uh, pathfinders on top of like a building, uh, but then it meant that they were restricted because they couldn't move around a lot. They were quite restricted up there. Whereas if he'd put them on the ground, like in some forest, he could then quickly move them and and stuff like that and have more fun with that and then he had a stealth team at the back of the field on a on his objective to claim it but then they were at the back of the field and they had to move around for a building move around they they were they were didn't do anything really for two turns um and by that time those that amount of burst cannon shots that they have would have been more beneficial if he'd actually put them mid to mid to the front of his army which yeah. is typically what I've done in the past. Um, so just just some little errors, but we are a bit rusty with our gaming, and yeah, it is only a second ever game with Tau, and he will learn from that, which is means I then have to learn from that um, as well. So yeah, Leviathan for me did well. Um, rerolling random hits again, very strong. Um, so so yeah. I won, and I did enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, before before we move on to me, um, 
for the listeners at home, uh, and for my benefit as well, give me a bit of a give me a bit of a, uh, a sense for for what uh, what gaming looks like for you when you're gaming. So where was the where was the venue? Let's start with that. <clears throat> so we have ninety nine point nine percent of uh, our battles is done at uh, either of our house. So mm-hmm. we have um, measured out a board which is the correct size, the minimum size, sorry, for um, the points range we do, which is 2,000 points typically. Uh And we've both got uh, a gaming mat. One is a grass one, one is a city one. And over the years, we've purchased and collected scenery, uh, some really good quality scenery, um, some of which have like uh, ruined cathedrals, and then uh, it has um, what's that semi-transparent paper called? Um, Tracing paper? Greasy yeah, something like no, no, no. like that. But it's got <laughs> like what church windows would be. So when the when the light does go through, it is just it like, stained like stained glass, glass. which amazing. is yeah. which which we love. Um, and we bought that because we wanted to take it to the next level. And that just lives in a box in my shed. Um, so we have some pretty good scenery. Um, a lot of uh, line of sight obstructing, um, some foresty bits for some dents. So we have a bit of a mix. Um, <clears throat> that's a, it was at his his house. So on on that size board, on 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 lots of nice scenery. And then after that, it gets a bit cramped because <laughs> that takes up one of his rooms. Um, <laughs> so we yeah we we get to spread out a bit across. Uh, a couple of different rooms and then we grab our pints of water because you always have a clear head uh, and then lots yeah. of snacks and we whack some music on in the background and just play now the problem is when we do that because it's so chilled our game's Oh, I, I it was like it's been four and a half hours and we're still not quite <laughs> near, near the end. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's quite chilled. Um, but then the 0.01 percent we play is at Warhammer World. So we will hire a table and we will go down and we will play there, play two or three rounds, have food, and then <laughs> uh, come back. And then we'll go in the shop for about four hours. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. This gives me a good mental image. I got a good feel for it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's interesting because I I think the way I play very much varies on who I'm playing with. Um, I had a friend uh, who I used to play with all the time, and we we had this really weird habit. We'd always we'd have something on the TV in the background. We didn't usually listen okay. to music, and we weren't watching what was on TV. Or barely watching, and we were we were listening to it, I suppose. Um, and we we'd start to get into certain things that would become like, oh, this is a Warhammer thing. Um, so every time we play Warhammer, we need to watch this. Uh, so our main things were either the original Mortal Kombat movie from nineteen ninety six, I want to say. Uh, terrible movie. Uh, great for war gaming too. Um. Because it's just got a great soundtrack, and you can occasionally just look over and see the dumb stuff that's happening on the screen. Uh, or did you ever watch the show Sharp with Sean Bean? No, no. It was so Sean Bean is like a regimental officer in the oh, Napoleonic War. My, 
My dad loved that. Um, yeah, I, I remember he I would walk in, watch. It's old, isn't it? Like, yeah, very old, very old. Man. Yeah, like he's quite a young man in that. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, <laughs> very thick northern accent. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, again, I, I've never just sat and watched an episode of Sharp, but I've probably seen all of them in one way or another because it always used to be on while we were playing Warhammer. And then with some other friends, it's music. Some other friends, it's it's fucking nothing. There's no music. There's no snacks. It is 100% focus on the game. And we'll, we'll, we'll eat or talk or <laughs> we'll do whatever mm-hmm. when we're done. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so congratulations on your first victory. Um, Thank you. Could I, could I get an MVP for you? Who was your absolute best unit? The one you've come away going, I, I love this. I adore this. I don't think I'll have, have a list without it. Oh, oh. That's tough um, because so many different things worked so well. Like even the warriors and the ty- the tyranny prime, possibly. Um, I bigged up the winged hive tyrant, which is just suited and booted, and the screamer killers. But the tyranny prime and this this bad boy, who was only I should go back to the list eighty five points. Um. Venom Cannon, Lash Whip and Bone Sword, and I've given him the Pathogenesis. So I add eight inches oh, yeah, to his range time. weapon. Um and each time I, I shoot I can reroll one hit and reroll one wound. And that was because if he had any vehicles, I've got a D three strength eight minus three two damage gun at thirty six inches. Well if he is far away, I'm now gonna make that over forty inches. So you can't hide from him. But he can hide because he's a, a character under 10 wounds. Now, I'm walking him around and he's being awesome, doing his little shots and being quite effective all the time, which I'm loving. Um, but then, obviously, I, the psychic abilities he has, like Shadow in the Warp, can't really help against Tau. But in your command phase you can select one friendly core unit within synaptic link range and basically you can reroll wound roll number one and he was always next to a core unit in every phase and just giving them those little buffs he then charged a unit of fire warriors and decimated them and then was close to the Carnifexes, so then could help them with charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, in, for 85 points, I just, I got a lot of value for him, out of him. Yeah. And and he was in, he was incredible. And I will probably take him as my second HQ choice in pretty much every list I'll do now. It's interesting, yeah. I think it was so great, so... So much has been made of, I think, the synaptic imperatives and everything else. Um, not a lot of people have just talked about the fact that every HQ has a buff ability. Um, some of them are fairly standard, you know, reroll ones, aura stuff. But again, what's really great about it is it's within um, it's within synaptic link range. So you know where other armies are like this little dude has to go with this unit because that's who he's buffing whereas we can be like well actually he the guy that's buffing you is clear across the board but it just so happens that he's within range of him who's within range of him who's within range of him 
so actually it's it's his buff being passed through um which which i think is really 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 powerful and one of the best things about the current state of our army um but that's cool that's cool i i i yeah i'm well i'm glad i'm glad it went well and, thank you uh, and it's and... interesting <clears throat> interesting to hear so there's gonna be some contrasts uh, as well as some dovetailing I, I, i'm i'm excited to hear how did your first battle go and who did you play what did they bring <laughs> well um <laughs> i think if if any of our listeners are familiar with the concept of foreshadowing you've probably figured out that i didn't win <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, and, dun. I'm, and i'm gonna say that right off the bat um but uh it, it was a fun game and i think you know a, a point i want to make straight away um so so i played with my friend dan and I, I think, you know, I spend too much time on internet forums, um, lurking, reading, occasionally posting about wargaming. And um, oh, everyone likes to moan. Everyone likes to have a bit of moan in it, which drives me nuts. But I don't, I'm drawn to it like a moth to the flame. And, you know, one thing I see often is people who have played two or three opponents, uh, maybe at the local game store, maybe they're... They're friends. Yeah, when when anyone says my quote unquote local meta, they mean their mates. It's their friends, mm -hmm. and it's the the army their friends have. So when they say, "Oh, there isn't any Eldar in my local meta," it's like, "No, none of your friends have Eldar. Just be honest." But <laughs> um, you know, those people will come and tell you about the state of competitive 40k, and they'll tell you, you know, what's overpowered, what's broken, what's. But they're not basing it on any real data. They're basing it on what's happening with their friends, and. The thing is, I have learned something, right? So this friend, Dan, I have never, never beaten him. Not once. We have played many, many, many times. We've known each other for maybe three or four years now, and in that whole time, we've we've played a lot of games. And through throughout most of 8th edition and all of 9th edition, I haven't once bested him, and I've not really come particularly close um this game was one of our closer competitions but again when you look at the score at the end it was not so close <laughs> and um i have to therefore conclude that he is better than i am at warhammer 40k because we've played so many different combinations of armies you know my tyranids versus his uh death watch his harlequins as they were not as they are um, I hasten to add <laughs> uh, his Tau, his Yanari, his Imperial Guard, even um, his Thousand Sons. He's got a lot of armies. Uh, my Tyranids, my Necrons, never won. So I have to conclude that he's a better player than me. That's the only real explanation for that 100% win rate. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I have another group of friends I play with. Lovely guys, very fun to play with. Um, there's three of them in that group. Only one of them has ever beaten me. And that was one time. And mm. it was by like four or five points. And it was my first go with the new Necron Codex. I, I, I made some mistakes. Um, so from that, I have to kind of conclude, it doesn't really matter what armies you play with. You know, yes, some armies have an inherent advantage. Some are more currently competitive than others. But really and truly, a very good player can take an average to poor army and win with it against a comparatively lesser opponent 
who has a better army. That's what happened in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the list is basically what I read out at the end of our last episode, except I panicked at the last minute and took the Lictor out and replaced him with just a bit more of everything. So I think I had like one more Tyranid Warrior, one more, a couple more Hormagons, something along those lines. Um, so the game was the uh, diagonal deployment, which I hate. And, um, <laughs> and I went second, which I hate. <laughs> um, these, these were two bad things. Um, and, and to give a basic uh, shape of how the game went, um, <clears throat> I, I didn't deploy well. Um, if I'm honest, this is my biggest weakness as a player is I don't deploy well. And my biggest issue with that is I don't know how to get better at it. Um, and uh, it's actually it's actually my hopes at some point when I'm, I I wish to post some battle reports online. Uh, you and I have actually talked about doing a few together, and it would really help me if, if someone could watch those battle reports and be like, "Why did you place that there? Mm -hmm. Consider doing this. Consider doing that." Um, so the big mistake I made was basically I could have hidden my hive tyrant and tyrant guard behind a building, and I didn't. I sort of put them behind the building and didn't really think about it too much. Um, and so, uh, uh, so my friend Dan, he brought Death Guard, okay? Right. And he had Plague Burst Crawlers, and he had three of them. Um, and they have a variety of weapons. Uh, one of them is very high strength, high damage, but only a couple shots. Um, but still, three of them throwing out two shots each with that really did a lot. It did a number on me. Um, and they've got a mortar thing, and they've got this other thing. Um, so again, the shooting phase took a really long time. Uh, I was Leviathan, so of course all my sign-up stuff had transhuman. Um, I used the Zoanthropes synaptic imperative on the first battle round, so throughout the first round I had the uh, army-wide invuln. Um, and I think that was the, the, the first real difference I noticed was if this was still 8th edition and we were still playing with our old codex, that first round of shooting would have been enough to make me concede. I can guarantee it. Because I'd have lost two or three monsters, I'd have lost half my Hormagons and most of my uh, Gargoyles, I suspect. And I'd have been sat there going, I can't, I can't answer back. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Um, that's how a lot of our games went in early 8th, especially. Um, whereas with this one, I was like, I'm just more resilient. Um, I could just stand up to more damage. Um, so I rejuvenated my Hormagons with the Endless Swarm uh, strat, uh, which is a really good feeling. <laughs> so I brought back five Hormagons <laughs> doing that after the first round. Um, I didn't lose much. I lost Basically, I lost all of my Tyrant Guard. All of my Tyrant Guard got shot to pieces. Um, and I sort of thought they would survive longer than they did um, because they seem really tough. But... Um, there's only so long you can stand up to these massive, massive high-strength weapons, even with uh, all the buffs we had at our disposal. Um, so yeah, I went very aggressive, and I realized really early on that I'd gone so aggressive in my list building that I hadn't put in enough of the this unit will sit back and hold the objectives kind of stuff. Um, so I ended up kind of thinking, like, well, I'm going to have to leave a unit of Hormagons back, which isn't ideal. I'm going to have to leave a unit of warriors back which really isn't ideal so 
you know that was a mistake that was a list building mistake on my part as well um but effectively we both marched forward and met in the middle um i threw my stuff into his and took some of it out but not really enough of it um and he kind of won the long war of attrition and held more objectives than i did and that was a big part of what it came down to um i didn't score amazingly on my secondaries um again part of the problem was i built an all-rounders list because i wanted to bring a ton of different stuff and try it out which i did and i've got a lot of takeaways from that but the um again i hadn't tailored anything in my list to this is going to do this secondary that's you know that's what this guy's for or that's what these guys are going to do um and so when it came to it I, I just i was kind of just fumbling my way through with the secondaries and wasn't getting a lot um and so here's a few things i've realized uh death guard are obnoxious as fuck um basically <laughs> uh with armor of contempt in tow um they had armor of contempt they had disgustingly resilient some of it you know so the, the, the tanks all had invulnerable saves because they're demons as well um his demon prince was obviously a demon uh he was dishing out six up feel no pain with i think his plague surgeon uh he had a dude who makes all of your stuff fight last or he makes one of your things fight last and he makes all of his stuff fight first something along those lines um everything's got disgustingly resilient and armor of contempt is obviously pretty much army wide so i just couldn't make a dent honestly um there was a few things i had that that, that had some effect that i'll get into but you know basically imagine my frustration at being like warriors bone swords they're now ap minus two and damage two and when they go up against his terminators they're ap minus one and damage one <laughs> <laughs> so everything's neutered everything you know my trigon i got really excited i charged my trigon into some tanks because you know monster versus tank ta uh, monster usually wins when it comes to melee um first of all he did me like 10 wounds on overwatch which was obscene um you know you want to talk about rolling a lot of sixes that was something else and then again the trigon's got a damage two weapon <laughs> so <laughs> this big monster 12 attacks great but now only hitting it you know uh, he was bracketed because of um because of the overwatch and then he's only coming in at damage one so he just wasn't doing enough to take the tanks out um so yeah um there was a lot of lessons learned i'd say um and i think I, I came away from it you know i, I sort of knew that i uh, against this guy i need to go a bit more competitive with my lists i think um and not be afraid to say oh, i'm taking three maliceptors today uh what are you gonna do about it <laughs> um and and just you know mortal wound spam uh because again so much of our stuff has gone up in damage and ap and so much of that was negated by armor of contempt um but let's talk about the positives because there was a lot of those as well um zoanthropes are amazing mm. absolutely amazing so amazing that i'm desperately afraid that they're going to go up to like 60 points a model i think that's going to happen in in the new chapter approved thing 
uh, the new points values when they come out. Um, the Maliceptor was he stole the show from me. Um, basically, yeah, he's just he threw out a smite, did some mortal wounds. He got over seven for the smite, so he did some more mortal wounds. He <laughs> threw out uh, it's the new psychic power, the one where um, basically everything in the unit takes a toughness test. Yeah. Oh, and that was another thing. He had a psycho power that was raising the toughness of units. So his bloody Terminators were toughness six. <laughs> <sighs> toughness six, three wounds, ignoring damage, two up save with armor of contempt, and six up feel no pain. Uh, you, oh, you can't imagine. Anyway, um, oh, that's, that's, that's actually made me lose my train of thought. I got so angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you were saying the Mana Scepter was ah, amazing. Yes. Mortal Wounds, lovely. So yeah, so he was throwing... Yeah, basically he did that, got over a seven. Mortal Wounds are plenty. Um, and I'll, I'll loop back to this, but I've, I've kind of got it in my head now what I'm doing with him next time. And I'm going to kind of come back to that. But uh, yeah, so Maliceptor, so Maliceptor did well, Zoanthrope did well. The Hive Tyrant didn't get to do much i went full melee with it and because of that kind of diagonal deployment i was really struggling to get him into position to charge so that didn't really happen till turn three um i had to use that strap because basically he charged in and died because again that stupid thing <laughs> meant that he couldn't fight first so he had to fight last and the demon prince killed him so I was just like, I am not having this Hive Tyrant not have attacked. So I, I spent the 2 CP um, and, and made him do his extra, um, his, you know, fight as if he's still alive thing. Um, I'd given him the Reaper of Obliterax, so he did okay. Um, but actually the only damage I did to his Demon Prince was the Mortal Wounds, because with all the other stuff he had stacked up, even like a, a fully tooled out um, close combat hive tyrant i couldn't i just couldn't do much against it it's they are thematic they are exactly what they're supposed to be they are disgustingly resilient <laughs> and uh <laughs> a very very frustrating matchup <laughs> for a new codex where it it made a lot of my stuff feel like it wasn't new just by virtue of all his special rules um uh i took so i took the prime unfortunately the prime didn't do much in my game um by the time he got into close combat it was against those death Shroud terminators and he couldn't really do enough um and I, I didn't get them into range to do shooting because they'd spent a lot of time sitting on an objective uh gargoyles were brilliant fast moving did a lot of shooting um the parasite amortrex uh he was uh, he was brilliant against the cultists. Um, unfortunately, he didn't birth any rippers, which is a shame. What? But uh, just by virtue of his close combat prowess, he took out like a unit. I think he took out like eight cultists or something. Um, but he did infect them. But uh, the next turn, they took their mortal wounds, but they didn't. Um, they they got the thing that says you take your mortal wounds, but you're not. Um, what you call it? You're you're not you're no longer infected. Yeah, uh, and it didn't do uh, enough mortal wounds to birth the rippers, unfortunately. 
Um, <clears throat> I also couldn't do that thing where he flies over and attacks people because there wasn't anything in my way at the time. Um, yeah, very situational that one. So it is very situational. Good when it good when it comes off, um, but uh, not not one to plan for, uh, or one to plan for even. So so here's my here's some of my reflections. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it was I'll, I'll be honest. It was it was very frustrating because I really had hoped that I would come away from it with a win. Um, I don't blame the codex. I blame myself entirely. I made I made a ton of mistakes. So the first thing, and this is common, I'm sure you felt the same afterwards. Um, I mean, we already discussed it. You know, scorch bugs, for example, could have helped with your terrain effects potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of time looking back and beating myself up a little bit about what strats I forgot to use or what strats I didn't even realize I could use. And that's very natural with a new codex, I think. And um, I went and bought the cards afterwards so that I've got the strat cards in front of me and that'll hopefully prompt me a bit. Um, but I just looked back on it and thought I could have given, when my Hormagons charged in, I could have given them an extra attack each. But I didn't realize I had that strat. <laughs> and <laughs> when my Hive Tyrant charged in, he has Horned Chitin. So I could have done the Trampling Charge, I think it's called. Uh, strat and done like a bunch of mortal wounds on my way in before I even started swinging um, st- you know little things like that we think okay well next time you know um, I, I, you know, again I could have done scorch bugs when I, I fired with my gargoyles and they might have been more effective um, did use blinding venom with those which was pretty cool um I'd say as well, uh, I don't know how you found it, but I found uh, my army was very CP hungry and I used it up quick. Um, I think basically by turn three, I, I had no CP. I was just getting the the one a turn uh, CP that you get for um, the start of every command phase. Mm. Um, how did you find it for CP? Um, not to the extreme as that but I, I did notice for the majority of the game I definitely had less than Ian did um, I was trying to choose to do a few different strats just to try stuff out but definitely he had more than me yeah um, yeah <laughs> to the point he's like oh I've got this many I may as well do this or I've got this many I may as well do this I was like Okay. <laughs> yeah, may as well is a very um, frustrating thing to hear when I'm sitting there. Yeah, going, I, and, I mean, anything. yeah, I mean that point. Um, not to look into too far in the future, but I was listening to something the other day with Games Workshop, looking to potentially mix it up with the command points, which uh, would not help your game. Basically, there was a rumor that they're basically going to cut the command points in half. But every Lord. every game every turn you get two rather than one, so that it means that a lot of people that are building their armies with like these relics and doing all this stuff turn one, and you're just like really hitting hard and doing stuff. They're trying to make it spread out across the game, but these are just rumors that for the things that are coming up. So again, it would force people to change the way they play, which is it's not a terrible idea. I mean, you do. You know, again, some sometimes I just feel like uh, I, I get to a point in every game. Well, every game I play with Dan when I'm losing, um, 
I get to a point where I'm just like, he's like, right, I'm shooting with this, I'm shooting with this, I'm using this strat, and he's got this relic, and I'm just like, oh, just roll the damn dice. <laughs> do what you're going to do. Like, you very, you very clearly won, just kill me, or, you know, do your 700 shots with one unit somehow, and yeah. be done with it. Um, but yeah, as I say, I felt more resilient, you know, I didn't get tabled, I don't think, or did I? I think we were. I think we stopped before I did, but um, certainly, if I had have done it, would have been turn four or five. Not again. I've had games where I'm tabled basically by the end of turn two, uh, before with Tyranids again, back in eight. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we're de- definitely more resilient. Uh, a lot of stuff lasted a lot longer. Um, uh, I think another takeaway was so I brought the Trigon Prime, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was excited about trying all my new stuff. And, you know, you come away from that and you go, okay, next time I need to be more focused and I need to, you know, think about this and think about that. I think one of the things that I I had this general idea of stacking up pluses to charge, um, which you can. It's insane. The amount of stuff that you can throw in, um, you know, with just the right mix, if you've got a character... Like a like a hive tyrant, for example, um, with a certain mix of strats, you can be giving them like plus four to charge. Uh, I think, um, which is nuts. So I, I, you know, I took the uh, I took the biomorphology that gives the whole army plus one to charge, basically, um, and then I brought the trigon with the very idea that he's going to throw that out as well because he gives another plus one to charge in the command phase um it's one of those things as soon as i did it i was like well why have i done this this is stupid i deep i i i did a deep strike with him and then when he deep struck in i was like oh well, we've just passed the command phase so we can't do it now and then <laughs> by the time i could have done it with him i was like well, it's too late now everything's in combat already <laughs> he's kind mm. of missed his moment so that made me think if i'm gonna do that he needs to be on the board um and actually where he is a bit more resilient um he doesn't need to deep strike in necessarily and it's not necessarily all about that um you know the termagant bomb or whatever else it might be um you know i think it's about me getting out of my old mindset things i used to do um oh and another incredibly stupid thing i did was i set up my gene stealers nine inches away but just there to be shot um i I put them in cover but basically they were there um (laughs) And again, I should have just taken a minute and gone, what's their movement? What's, uh, you know, what kind of charge would I expect from them? I could reasonably put them behind this, uh, you know, obscuring bit of terrain and just... But, you know, again, there's that thing. I always used to get this in fifth as well, where I'm like, they're infiltrating. They can go within... They can go up to nine inches away. So I'm going to put them up to nine inches away. Mm. (laughs) It was a stupid thing. It was stupid when I did it then, and it was stupid when I did it this time. Um, But... uh, that was a lot of wasted points, but I think that's a, a live and learn kind of moment on that one. Um, uh, yeah, and I think the only other thing that I, I picked up on um, is basically I know I know now what I must do with the Maliceptor. <laughs> <laughs> I must go. I must just go completely ham and just go over the top with it. So here's my decision. <laughs> um, He's going to move forward as far as he can. Um, 
and he's going to smite. Um, prior to that, I'm going to use a neurothrope to give him an extra dice when he does his psychic attacks. Uh, and he's, you know, 3d6, take the two highest, right? Mm-hmm. So that's step one. And then he's going to he's gonna throw that out. He's, he's very likely to make a uh, smite. There's good chance it's a super smite, but let's just assume it's a normal one. And he does his mortal wounds. And that will definitely get me over seven, or very, very likely. And then he's going to do his extra mortal wounds. And then I'm going to do uh, probably Neuroparasite again to make a, a unit take a toughness test. And I'm going to pick a specifically weak unit to do it on this time. Get as many mortals as I can from that. And again, he does his mortal wounds. And then I'm going to use a strat to let him do an extra psycho power. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly I'm going to stack with that another strat so that he knows every psycho power on the board so I can use a psychic scream. He does his mortal wounds. I get over seven. He does his mortal wounds. And then I'm going to play another strat that will let him benefit from the uh, synaptic imperative, his own, uh, uh, on top of the other synaptic imperatives for the turn. I think that may be a Leviathan exclusive. Um, I can't remember. Oh, no, 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 I don't think it is, actually. I don't think it is. Um, or it might even be a psychopower. Whatever it is, I'm doing it. And then he's going to do his psychic uh, action so that everything around him, when it's attacked, uh, you reduce the incoming strength. Mm. And that's a warp charge of seven, so I have to go over seven anyway. And again, he does his mortal wounds. So because there's no cap (laughs) on the amount of mortal wounds he can do, and because I'm so thoroughly cheesed off at how bogged down I got by the Death Guard last time... Mm. I'm going to do that, and uh, I'm going to do a hundred mortal wounds in one phase, and I'm going to laugh. That's my plan. <laughs> uh, in a nutshell, uh, and then I'll get some zoanthropes to smite as well because why not? Okay. Um, um, question, <clears throat> please. You, I think I remember us talking, and you were quite excited about bringing a. I'm terrible with names. Um, not the Death Leaper. The what's its little ones called? What the Lictor? Yeah. Would yeah, you? So... Do you think if you had brought a Lictor, it would have done anything, or are you still excited to take it for your next game? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think. I mean, I am. I'm still excited uh, to take one. Uh, I'm also very excited to take the Death Leaper uh, because his rules are insane. Oh yeah, like he's. And I mean, he's, I think he's only an extra fifteen points. Yeah, so, he, he is the one to go to. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I think the temptation there would actually be go for a Death Leaper instead. Um, if I had had either, I think. Uh, yeah, I think probably ultimately it would have benefited me. Basically, there was a lot of wasted points on the board. I didn't get a lot... I didn't use my warriors efficiently, so a lot of their points were wasted, although they were synaptically throwing stuff out with their synaptic link and being part of the synaptic chain, as I term it. So 
there was use there, but I, I certainly didn't make as much of them as I could have. Um, I and I had like a unit of yeah, it must have been eighteen or nineteen hormigons. They were sat at the back. They were too far for my opponent to shoot. They just sat on an objective the whole game. They did nothing. Um, so that potentially two hundred point unit could have been a seventy point unit of termagants and given me a bit more space to do other stuff with it could have even been a 45 point unit of rippers to be honest um now i think about it so yeah i think i think if i'd had the lictor in there i think he could have done me some good i mean the, the thing that was really um grinding my gears was you know for all the stuff it's annoying that they've got disgustingly resilient and armor of contempt and quite a few things there have an invon anyway but it was the buffs they were getting from the characters that really was destroying me. Um, and if Tyranids currently have a weakness, um, they don't have many at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, you know, their primary weakness, uh, one of their weaknesses is that they don't have any sniper units still. Um, so and if, if an opponent knows what they're doing, they can, keep, uh, they can keep an opposing character alive basically the whole game. Um so you know when i think about it maybe there was a couple of times where he positioned stuff in a way that i could have snuck the lictor in and got a free shot at one of those characters at least um and that would have been that would have been quite helpful um death leaper certainly i think again i'd have to place him smart uh and you know my opponent's very reactive, so he might well have seen, oh, you've got a Death Leaper in reserve. Well, I'm not going to leave that character sitting around doing nothing. Um, but I think there was definitely space for me to get him in there. Um, and I think you generally, you, you know, against elite armies like any flavor of Marines, Chaos, or otherwise, you will usually have enough space to operate with the Lictor or a Death Leaper because they've got such a small footprint. So you can usually fit them in the board somewhere. Um, yeah, I think I probably should have taken him. Um, I think I pro I think I definitely will take one next time. Um, it's, uh, and I think I, I didn't take any Carnifexes, and I'm very jealous. As you were talking about your Screamer Killers, I was like, it sounds like he's had so much fun. Mm. I should have taken Screamer Killers. Um, it's always hard, isn't it? You look at a list and you think, well, inherently, to, to add something, I have to take something away. Um... And sometimes you have something that really underperforms and you're happy to lose it. And other times you think, well, that could have done better. But actually, next, I'd like to take it again and, and try it next time. Um, so it, it can always be difficult. But, you know, if nothing else, um, you know, we had a hell of a lot of fun. And it was really nice playing with my new stuff. It was nice playing with some painted stuff that I hadn't got on the board yet. And... Um, you know, I, I still ha I still have this confidence that I can win. <laughs> um, you know, there were there were there were times in the doldrums of eighth when we were at our sort of as an army, I would say we were kind of at our lowest ebb, where we we just had the vanilla codex. There was no blood of Baal. There was none of the other supplements yet. And you know, I'm going to talk about this in more depth in one of our uh, podcasts. But basically, I think knights are the worst thing ever. I think they ruin. I don't think they ruined forty k, but I think they forever changed it in a way that if you ever want to talk about power creep, that's where it started. 
is where we basically said super heavies can just be part of the normal game. And we're not, you know, they're not as bad as a super heavy, so you'll be fine. Um, but then it took a whole army's worth of shooting to take one down, and then things crept up. Um, so basically, my friend Dan always used to say, every army I have has enough firepower to take out a knight turn one, basically guaranteed. So when I turned up without any knights, he just destroyed every monster I had <laughs> instead. Mm which was far easier back then. Um, so again, you know, again, I'm using the word resilience a lot, but we do have it. We, the, the higher toughness, the invulnerable saves, the, um, the transhuman when you're Leviathan, it all, it all helps a ton um, to, to, to keep you ground, to, to keep you, to keep you around long enough to do something. Oh, and I took an Exocrine. The Exocrine was awesome. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, they are amazing. He was really good. Again, I think I just I would see a strat and go, "Oh, I can use that," and I would use it. I so I wasn't being I wasn't being thoughtful enough with my with my CP, but um, he's got a strat that gives him exploding sixes. Uh, so I did that a couple of times, and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, I what did I give mine? Let's go to my list. I really enjoyed. Uh, just I always walked him up. I didn't really care about the cover thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adapted physiology ferocious ammunition. Um, so yeah, each time this model shoots after it's finished making the attack, select one unit that is hit. Um, roll a d6 on a two plus. It suffers d3 mortal wounds. So cannot complain about that one. Um, yeah, I I took that and then forgot about it. I think <laughs> every time I shot, I forgot about it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh so hard, but it's 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 um, again it's what you do on your first game. I feel you you make mistakes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put my hands up. There was at least one time when I gave something transhuman that it shouldn't have had it because it wasn't a synapse creature. Mm. Um, I kept getting it in my head that monsters got it, but that's not true. It's just monsters with synapse. No, I um, I I came to that same mistake, and I was like, oh. Oh, my Tyrannifix isn't, which is why that then scrambled for that strat. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's easy to forget as well that the Tyrant Guard then don't get it. Um, so, again, that was another... That was another lesson learned there that maybe, maybe they should have... Um, again, the Tyrant Guard was an interesting one for me because they sat, they sat, they got shot, and that was it. If I had put my Hive Tyrant behind the building and not taken Hive Guard it would have had the exact same game. So again, there's 150 points there that basically went down the hole because of my positioning when I uh, deployed. Mm. I really need to get better at that. <laughs> um, so I've got a couple of questions for you, actually, yeah. uh, that have just sort of sprung to mind. Um, so one of them is, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, when I saw your, you sent me some pictures, um, when you sent me the pictures, I'm pretty sure you had a Toxicrine. Is that right? Yes, I did. Now, you haven't mentioned the Toxicrine. Is that because it's not worthy of mention, or what? <sighs> um, <laughs> now, in theory, I should have been ecstatic, because I'm seeing all this infantry um, in front of me, and the Toxicrine is very, very good at this. Yeah, it's very anti-infantry. He was very far away, though. So, 
moving up, advancing, or trying to position myself to get close to his infantry became very difficult. And he shot at some piranhas. Meh. And then tried to charge the piranhas and failed. So he unfortunately didn't do a lot for me. Um, I couldn't get close to the infantry. I knew from watching other battle reports just how deadly he could be. But I just didn't get the opportunity. I think if the deployment had been what I would class as a normal deployment... Um, it's just anything that's not diagonal. Like, yeah. I'll take the classic Dawn of War deployment or the... I'm not as much of a fan of the like the short board edge deployment because you get bunched up, especially if you go horde heavy. But I would take that because at least I've kind of got a straight shot at something. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, he didn't really get a chance. He didn't get a chance, unfortunately. Um, so, so, he, so he was, is, he, he was... is he in your next list? Let me ask you that. Now... That depends, <laughs> because I don't want to use Leviathan next. Okay. I want to give Kronos or Behemoth, the one where you re-roll charges. So he'd be good in Behemoth, yeah. I reckon. So if I chose Not a Behemoth, so much in Kronos. probably. But I think I want to try a Kronos army. Um, I want to see how much shooting I can do against Tau, just to... Just to be like if I win, <laughs> I've over, I've beaten you. Um, Tyranids were quite shooty previously, um, and I want to see how much how much shooty I could do. Um, off the top of my head, I think you gain four inches on your range weapons, and if you're within half, you get a an additional minus to AP and stuff. Yeah. So um, with an exocrine, Tyran effects in theory, Screamer killers again, they're all fantastic for Kronos. Um, Maybe a Tervagon. Yeah, Tervagon. Lots of Termagants. Uh, gargoyles. Um, you get in the, all those additional in APs. The Winghive Tyrant that I had with with its gun, and yeah, no, a lot of the army would lean towards Grodos straight away. Um, I might consider taking out the Malaceptor and just really? keeping the Zone Thropes, and then seeing what I can do with those points elsewhere. Um, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. I've found myself really recently, um, so you know, especially I played a lot. So before the new codex came out, I was kind of leaning more on my Necrons, and that's partly because they're fully painted, or I have enough to field fully painted armies of Necrons. Mm. And um, I would often find myself, I'd be like, it's not so much about crutches, but just habits, where I'd go. You know, I've started an army list and, you know, I've just gone, well, obviously I'll have that, obviously that, obviously that, obviously that. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I've only got like 400 points to play with. So I wasn't, I was really getting annoyed with myself for not having enough variety. But then again, you have to ask yourself, well, okay, if I want that variety, am I willing to take out the thing that gives out the five up invulnerable? No, I am not. Am I willing to take out this big blob of warriors? No, I'm not um and yeah like like likewise for me i think um i really like your notion of just getting in there and trying a new uh you know trying a new um hive fleet or hive tendril i should say um but uh 
yes, I think, you know, already I'm falling into that trap where I'm like, well, I need at least two units of 20 Hormagons and I need a mm-hmm. Hive Tyrant. I can't not go with a Hive Tyrant. And then before you know it, I'm just like, oh, well, I'm, not, I'm not leaving home without the Maliceptor and i to take some Warriors. They're always good. <laughs> See, yeah, this is the thing. I was, I was like, right, I want to, I want to really get a good feel for the Codex. I want to do Leviathan first because that's the strongest and quite easy to remember in ways. Yeah. I want to then try Kronos. I want to try this one. I want to, I want to really create an army for any of the High Fleet tendrils and. I'm sat there and I'm finding that I've copied the same units a lot of the time. Now these units are incredible, but it doesn't really flavor or fluff wise fit in with the adapted physiology. Like um, if I'm using an army's rules where your little griblies are going to be wounding on four pluses and I've only got 20 gaunts and I've put more points into big monsters that that's not really going to benefit. I'm not going to get a huge amount of benefits it's from true. that army. So I, I, I would like to think I could create them, but creatively I have just lent again towards like four or five staples. Yeah. Um, in again, the exocrine being one of them. Why would I have an exocrine in a BMF army, which is close combat? I want, I want to benefit. I want to show off this assaultiness, but then you do need that support. But then leaving of home without one yeah. just feels. It does feel bad. Yeah, it's like it's, you it see white tricky. scar units. White scars for space marines. They can they can um, advance and charge, and they get. To, I believe they possibly get to reroll charges. I'm not sure on that one, but you always see redemptor dreadnoughts in it giving you that heavy <laughs> firepower so then it's like well maybe I can have a few shooty bits to justify yeah. Um, but yeah I do want to create some lists for each of the high fleets to kind of benefit and show off basically and, and get a good feel for it um, again that could we I could then see which one leans towards my playstyle more um, and then it will just lead to me buying more models so <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> That's the thing. Well, I, I mean, I played this game and then I came home and I pretty much straight away, uh, I was like, I was like, what's something I've never painted that I've shied away from? So like, I pulled out a Tyrannocyte and I was like, I'm gonna start. I'm just gonna put some paint on this model and see what happens. Uh, and just started painting it. And then I went out the next day and I bought some warriors because I'm always buying warriors. And I bought the Tyranid dice and I bought the data cards and then I bought some more paints. And I'm already looking on the web store to see if I can finally get a Harispex. Um, it's it's a hobby. It's a it's a it's a hobby that feeds itself, and it does so quite efficiently. Um, but you know, I I think I think that's why we love it really. Um, now I have one. Uh, I have, I did say I had two questions, so I've got one more brief question, and then I can see I can see the time ticking on. So I think we should probably we should probably wrap it up not long thereafter. But um. So I feel like I'm going to have to eat my words a little bit here. So um, <laughs> I said in our last podcast, um, I, I said the worst units in the, in the codex. Are my, oh, the ones, yes. I think I specifically said the ones I was least excited about. I mentioned Biovores and I mentioned Molochs, I think. 
Um, and uh, I can already tell you that my next list has Biovores in it. <laughs> um, because I've kind of rethought actually throwing out a bunch of spore mines and just dropping them an objective is a really, it's just a really, it's a really nice thing to do to your opponent and be like, oh, you can claim that objective. You're going to eat a few mortal wounds for it that you, you know, or you're going to have to waste a turn of shooting, shooting at it. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of coming around to them actually. Um, but about the Moloch, so you brought the Moloch and you kind of alluded to the fact that he got shot to pieces um, and you were a bit unhappy about that. But how did his um, how did his from below uh, power work out for you? Yes, yeah, so I, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I put the little marker down and mm-hmm. then um, he immediately moved all of his units outside of the range <laughs> and so again this is why i was uh, in hindsight actually where where i put him was like between the center of the board and his deployment zone so it really just he his marker was there and his models just went warm and moved away from it immediately uh, he then shot at the Morlock when he came in, and then that did draw a lot of firepower because we did kind of discuss like, oh, I, th- I think it's like sixteen attacks. He's then got the special rules of his jaw. Um, yeah. Not the biggest hitter, but sixteen attacks is still sixteen attacks from a monster, and it is scary when all you've got is infantry around you. Um, so. It didn't really do a lot, but what it did make me realise that if I had put it closer to his backfield within the rules, um, and then it forces him to move his models away to the only direction they can go is either sideways or towards the centre of the board, which is closer to me. Yeah. So the Morlock, I saw a dimension of the Morlock I hadn't even thought of of just being a way of moving his models even if i put that marker like on an object next to objective he now has to choose to move away from that objective or take those those mortal wounds um but then when he comes in he comes in within 12 inches of that marker so then you get this massive bubble where he can come in where you decide oh if i bring him in nine inches away from my opponent he can charge or within nine inches but not within engagement range he just sits there and doesn't charge but then you've got this massive morlock creature next to you you can't ignore that so even though he died and didn't do any damage he (laughs) he's opened up my mind to more tactics and actually drew firepower away from the rest of the army which again allowed things like the screamer killer carnifexes and the other units to move forward and really crunch like they're meant to so he was a distraction moloch yes and i'm i i really enjoyed it i still look at the trigon because i want to do a try uh the trigon is in the fast attack and i look at the trigon prime and i do I do lean towards the Morlock just because it's now giving you 
well me more options again if I don't take Leviathan because Trigon Prime you get the special buffs um, from being synapse but I did see a battle report on Tabletop Tactic and I think her name is Kate or Katie um, she declared that the Tyranid Codex is one of the most versatile and balanced in a way you can bring any combination and make it work and yeah. her theme for that list was um, anything that has wings and anything <laughs> that can sliver so yeah, it was like a lot <laughs> so birds and birds and slivering uh, I think she was calling it so she brought crone, uh, harpies winged tyrants um, then trigon prime trigon morlock Ravenous, like all these yeah. things, and it was really good to see because you wouldn't normally ever see that ever. Yeah. Um, so in one of my lists, I definitely want to bring a Trigon and a Morlock because I do have both models. Whether I turn the Trigon into a Trigon Prime, I'm not sure, but this is something I do, I do want to do. But the, I think Morlocks for me will be something I like to take as a little distraction. Yeah. You see, it's, it's it's interesting. So again, I'm. So officially, I'm putting on a bib. I'm grabbing some uh, cutlery, and I'm going to eat my words because I think I, I think I've got to take it back. I actually am now really excited about taking a Moloch, and I think I think I just wasn't seeing the bigger picture. I think I was looking at it, and I was like, "Ugh, again, it's just like a few mortal wounds. It's not that much." And people can. My immediate thought was, people will just move away from it, so it's not even going to do any damage. Like, what's the point in that? And then I pictured myself, I thought, imagine I didn't take the Trigon Prime, and I did take a Moloch. Aside from the fact that I'd have a buttload of extra points on my hands, what would I have done? And, again, what my friend had done, is <clears throat> he had a big unit of Terminators. He had a Demon Prince. He had a big unit of Plague Marines. He had three, two or three characters. Um, I think two, actually. Two characters, buffing everything within range uh and then not even that far behind a couple of tanks and i thought i could place one marker that hits all of that basically the vast majority of his army and then he'd have to uh, you know he'd either have to move in which case he's going to move everything way further close to me or very far back but actually if you place the marker right you can make it so he can't there's only so many ways you can traverse if you know what i mean to get away from it um and then i thought i thought very likely especially as he was on an objective he might have just said screw it i'll eat the mortal wounds yeah and then that's the only way or one of the only ways we've got of saying okay i'm rolling on this character that character just took d3 mortal wounds um you know it's one of those only ways we've got of digging out digging out hidden bubble wrapped characters and if you're against uh, an army that's got a ton of units in that very tight enclosed i want to keep them within all these auras kind of way like i imagine some of the some of the type probably were it, it does force them to make that choice and actually it's a big part of board control isn't it it's saying you know it's, it's area denial it's like if you're if you want to sit here you're going to take a ton of mortal wounds what are you going to do about that um and with all the other mortal wounds we can throw out, it, 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 you know, you might actually find someone going, like, oh, God, well, I guess I've got to move. And then now you are moving up the board and you are taking that space from them. Um, it also made me think, again, going back to the Lictor or the Death Leaper, you know, 
you've got you've got to start thinking about how these things work together and then the mechanics of that so you think i place my thing my opponent shrugs at me and is like yeah whatever i'm just gonna move everything and in so doing they're very likely going to space stuff out to avoid because it's a radius it's not just a point you know and in doing so they might just leave you enough of a gap where you can go all right deathly prick's gonna get in there um or at the very least He's getting into that one unit, and he's going to consolidate into you, and you're going to have to back up and try and get away from him. Um, so, yeah, I've now gone from being kind of nonplussed about the Moloch to being incredibly excited about taking one, and it's probably once the Maliceptor is done, which is another one of my many projects, um, mm -hmm. I imagine a mo I think I'm going to paint my Moloch because he's just been sat there primed for f seven, eight years. Eight years oh. he's been primed for. <laughs> so he needs some love he needs some paint yeah um well that's that's great so i think that i think that wraps us up here um the one thing uh i i think before we started recording i teased you with that i i've got a game coming up but it's not 40k um just mm, yes just, just to allude to that for you and for our uh, listeners i'm playing a kill team tournament this weekend okay um, now i have never played kill team <laughs> Um, I still don't know what I'm taking. I know I'm taking Tyranids, but I don't know what models. Um, so I've been kind of, you know, I've, like I said, I've got a few warriors I've painted, so I'm probably going to bring them along. And I think I'm just going to bring boxes of warriors and gaunts and gene stealers and see, right, what what of these can I make into a <laughs> can I make into a kill team army? But I'm quite excited because I've never played it and I've heard it's quite good. Um, so. Yeah, we're doing a friendly little tournament with some friends I haven't seen in years. So um, I'm quite looking forward to it. Have you ever played Kill Team? No. No, I haven't. Um, no. no. <laughs> I think it represents quite a good way to get into the hobby for people that, you know, maybe it's a bit daunting to go spend three or four hundred pounds to get yourself a 2,000-point uh, army list. Um but it's not that daunting to buy like three boxes for 70 quid and say, okay, get these, paint them. That's your kill team. Um, <clears throat> but you and I were already well into the hobby by the time kill team came mm. out. So I don't, I sometimes I kind of feel like maybe it's not aimed at me, but I'm, I'm excited to give it a shot. Um, so in our next podcast, I will feedback on that. Um, obviously we don't have any exciting new rules in kill team, but it's, it'll be a new experience for me. <laughs> and uh, I'll have some, some pictures to share and and the like um so with that let's finish up God, we're nearly an hour and a half mark we need to start yeah <laughs> i need yeah, to stop be talking. like 20 minutes today <laughs> i said that my wife is gonna kill me <laughs> it's like i'll be done before bedtime i'll be downstairs don't you worry um <laughs> so um with that said uh, um thank you very much for sticking with us and listening i hope you've got something out of uh, our combined experiences and i hope the next time i talk about uh, a game that i won it um but uh if you want to get in touch with us uh send us any questions or discuss anything with us you can talk to us on our twitter which is at talking tyranids you can talk to us on uh gmail you can email us if you're feeling uh, feeling a bit old school and we're talking tyranids at gmail.com uh and i make my usual promise that i will at some point make an instagram um, maybe a Facebook group. That wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? Mm. Um, so anyway, until next time, um, thanks, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you.